theme song, theme song. <laughs> Welcome back to Wine on an Empty Stomach. We are a thousand eyes in one. I'm Tanya. I'm Nikki. And we're so excited to talk to you guys today about Dread Nation. We've been waiting so long to do this book. Yes. I can't, it was absolutely I can't wait. One of my all time favorite reads, period. It's so good. So good. I'm just opening up so I can see comments real quick. Mm hmm. So, where do you want to start? Can you give a quick summary? Uh, a quick summary. So, yeah, let's do that. Dread Nation is... Uh, I don't even know where to start besides... I just want to talk about how awesome it is. Because the, con- <laughs> because the concept itself is really fun and crazy. Um, yeah, so post... Or well, at the very end of the Civil War, all of a sudden the dead get up and they start turning into people and killing and, and basically eating the soldiers on the battlefield, which sends the entire company, uh, country into a uh, zombie apocalypse. Yes. And, um, you know. And it ends the war. It basically it ends, ends the, the war. war. Well, actually, it's not true because the war isn't officially over, which we find out later in the book. Um, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, it, it ends the war. Well, it changes the war from being between the North and the South to being everyone against the zombies. Yes. And our protagonist, Jane, is born, was it two days before? Mm-hmm. Before the dead start to rise. So she lives her whole life with zombies. With zombies being a, um, a real danger. Mm-hmm. A real danger. And the way that um, the country decides to cope with it is by sending... Uh, Native Native Americans and the black people who were, you know, at this point, not slaves anymore, but not exactly free to, let's call them re-education combat schools to train them to fight the dead mm-hmm. in defense of, you know, the white people. So ladies basically have female attendants and the men have their own... I don't know if they call them attendants for the men, mm-hmm. but essentially they're there to protect them from zombies and also to protect their virtue. And yep. so our lead character, Jane, Jane McKean, is at one of the combat schools, the best one known as Miss Preston's. Um. <laughs> Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for joining. Um, why did we choose this book, Nikki? We chose this book because it's awesome. We chose this book because as soon as we started reading it, it was just clear from the very beginning that one, the concept was super cool. Two, the writing was incredible. And Jane McKean is such an awesome character. She's mm-hmm. not necessarily like your fearless protagonist. Um, she's not a perfect hero. You know, she's very, very much flawed. And um, I think our petty saw her petty and respect. <laughs> <laughs> she's great. She's great. She's unapologetic. You know, she's she tells you from the beginning. She's like, I'm a liar. And I had to lie because this is how I learned to survive in this world. And, uh, you know, she's also restless and mm-hmm. and super bra- She's restless and she's brave. And she's had to learn from a very young age to survive and to be a survivor. Um, so, I mean, those are a couple of the reasons why I think we chose the book. And 
um, it's one that like even when you reread it, it's just as good. And that for me makes the book magical. I Hi, really liked that. Um, I really liked that it wasn't a book about just like trying to escape zombies. Oh yeah, zombies are definitely like a background character. They're not. They're not like front and center. It's not all about the zombies. Um, in you know, they're a real of, threat. They're definitely yeah. a real threat. But the story itself isn't just mm. like you know how after a while, Walking Dead just became like we're trekking through the woods and we're hiding from zombies. I didn't yeah. get that at all. Yeah, yeah, it didn't be. It didn't become that. Like you have basically you have um, the sense that by the time this book is taking place, they have a handle on what's going on. Like yeah. they've got a system they they know that the cities years. are are defensible in the, to a certain degree um they've figured out how to kind of form communities to survive and um you know for the most part i guess the combat schools are effective methods of um creating defense depending on where the where the people are being sent like you said miss preston's is like the best school because they don't mm -hmm. all they're not all that good um, and they don't all take killing shamblers as seriously, but um, you know it's 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 a world in which they have kind of established an order while trying to figure out how to uh, how to grow and how to maintain communities that are zombie proof. And at this point, they feel like, at least especially in the northern states, that they they kind of have control over it. You get the you get the impression that. Sorry, I dropped the notebook. You get the impression that, um, well, they give you they they're giving people the impression that everything is pretty much safe. That you might get the occasional shambler, but you know we're not overrun or anything. And of course, we find out that's a lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and because of that, also the attendants start to become more of a status thing instead of for real safety. But Jane sneaks out at night and kills shamblers on the road and saves people mm -hmm. and so she knows the truth and she knows that they're lying yeah this so this is all taking around up to well the first part of the book is taking a place around uh baltimore the city mm -hmm. of baltimore and that's where they're based and it's really it's really fun because uh you <laughs> it's like when you find out that jane is afraid of horses because their ponies do not horses no longer exist in that part of the country because yeah. they were all eaten by zombies. Um, and so they had, they are transported back and forth from the city to Miss Preston's by uh, like this carriage that they call ponies. And they're basically like loud, they're loud, like, like type cars with that are, that are reinforced and allow some, some degree of protection. But while she's going into the city, she can see that there are definitely shamblers kind of, you know, ambling around. <laughs> They're not all gone. It's uh -huh. just getting from one gated and safe community to the next. One of the things that kind of stood out was when <laughs> um, when she saw that little girl shambler and yeah. realized she looked fresh. Mm -hmm. Like that was one of the first signs. I mean, other than the fact that they're just around in general, but seeing a fresh one. And mm -hmm. then when the Edgar family goes, the Edgar sisters go missing yeah. and you find out that they've been overrun but everyone keeps it hush hush mm -hmm. and then the final like you know something is really bad i saw i just saw cheryl's comment politicians lying <laughs> perish the thought hey sarah yeah. and um, also uh, her comment about shambles being the, far from the biggest threat that she faced for right. sure 
right. there are other the things huge going on. Huge foreshadowing moment at the dinner at the mayor's house mm-hmm. when the guy turns Shambler at the table. Yeah. And this is after we've learned that it doesn't take half an hour to turn. You can turn in seconds. So he was recently bitten. Mm-hmm. And then she realizes how far along into the dinner they are and wonders how it's possible. So on my second read is when I realized how the mayor was running electricity in his house. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the shambler wheel that Gideon uses in, um, yeah. in a place called Summerland. Summerland. I was going to say Somerville. I was like, that's not right. That's Massachusetts. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah, summer, the Summerland settlement. Um, were you, were you shocked by the Shambler wheel? I mean, I'm kind I was, of skipping the, ahead. Well, the first time I was definitely shocked by the Shambler wheel because you don't think that they're going to try to, to use them and just like try to use them as a natural resource because they're, they're occurring and they're like, oh, we know that we can get them to turn this wheel and create, create electricity and illuminate our towns and this kind of stuff. Ooh, man. Yeah. No, I was. I guess I was really surprised. I just wanted them to be putting them down. But yeah, what kind of story would it be if that was right? If that was all you get. Uh, I think Char- that's something. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say Cheryl mentioned the guy that got bitten to prove the vaccine works. Yeah, yeah. I, we can definitely go back to that because I want to talk about that moment. Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Uh, yeah. So there's a that that the part in the book where they go to see a lecture for some, you know some scientist who has found a vaccine and and because here's the other thing that they they have been using like eugenics and these types of things to prove that the nat the survivalist party uh that this the national the nat the natural order of things is for white people to be superior and for everybody else to serve them and that the negro has a a natural uh resistance to turning shambler right right and so that's how they're justifying using them as like, you know, to become attendants and, and all of this. And so they Miss Preston takes some girls to see this lecture. And uh, what's interesting about Jane is that she can read. And obviously that's still frowned upon at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's been educating herself. She's been she's been reading about like science and bacteria and how viruses spread and uh, and about antibodies and these things. And they don't have terms for them. She's like, there are little critters that live in my blood. Right. And they're, they're like, what are you talking about? We should mention Jane's mother taught her to read. We didn't talk yeah. about Jane's mother. We'll so in the beginning her. of the story, what we learn about Jane's mother is that she is a white woman who is rumored to have a penchant for field hands. But Jane mm-hmm. says that's a lie. We find out more about that later, of course. Yeah. Um, her husband left for the war and didn't come back till eight years after it was done. Um, but she taught Jane how to read and not just how to read, but like had her reading Shakespeare, and Shakespeare, and <laughs> right science so. journals. And, mm-hmm. you know, she really educated her. And yes. Miss Preston's doesn't do any of that. They only yep. teach you how to fight and etiquette because they don't feel that anything else is necessary for you to fight the dead and serve these ladies as attendants. Yeah, exactly. And so they go to this lecture where this uh, where this professor is de- going to demonstrate that he has um, used a vaccine and to prove the natural resistance of the Negro, blah, 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 blah. And so this guy comes out. He comes out on the stage uh, in the lecture podium and and Jane, being Jane, can't hold her tongue anymore. And is like, wait, 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 wait. But if he turns, what's going to happen to you? Because, oh, because the, the he distinction... Also did- 
He also didn't take the vaccine himself. He, he, yeah, he said that he didn't need to take it. And the, the what's interesting about, um, I guess, like the way that they treat the Shamblers, because we've been talking about fresh ones, is that in the book they make it they make a distinction between how you can tell a fresh one from a fake one, and like the di- and the differences in them. Like the ones that are left, you see some of them from like the Civil War. They've got uniforms on, they've got mm-hmm. old clothes, they're kind of rotting and they're falling apart, and they move yeah. really slowly. But one who a fresh Shambler who's just turned has like like almost unnatural speed and abilities and those are the ones that you have to those are the ones that you have to watch out for so after jane asked this professor one whether or not he's inoculated himself and two what's going to happen if he turns he just like you know hushes her down and tells her not to worry be quiet little be lady. quiet little black girl in the back <laughs> we'll be just fine and um you know his poor his poor assistant Othello. Uh, it makes me so mad. I, I'm getting angry. <laughs> yeah, poor Othello, poor Othello has to stick his arm in a shambler cage and get bitten. And, of course, as suspected, he turns. He and turns. immediately tears the professor apart. And it's like, we know that they're using bullshit science. Mm-hmm. And we know that some of them know it's bullshit science. But then it's like, would you, did he really believe in this vaccine so much? I feel like he must have. He really put himself at risk. Because even if, like, even if it is bullshit science, for him to be that close to one, a cage of three shamblers, and to, like, have the potential for someone to turn, I think he really believed his vaccine was going to work. Mm. I don't know, like, what his control group was right. <laughs> for testing. Well, we learned Apparently more. We learned one more. One. Remember, we learned more in the second book yes. about the vaccine, its development, its effectiveness. Um, <laughs> Cheryl, doctor surprised to get bit. Person turns surprise Pikachu face. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. And, uh, even after she told, and, and remember, remember, he comes in with. Excuse me. Oh no, that's a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Where he had no, no, no. Yeah, he came in with the old science about it taking time to taking, turn, taking time to turn. And they corrected him because they corrected him. Mm-hmm. They've they've been seeing it over. They've been seeing it this whole time. Exactly. They used to say it takes about fifteen minutes for someone to turn half hour and or, or half. More. Oh, sorry, half hour more for mm-hmm. someone to turn. When the reality is that it's almost instantaneous now. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't take as long anymore. And so, you know, he thought he had all this time. And so the fact that he's even coming in with old science, you know. Old science, new shamblers. Old science, new shamblers. And, yeah, I, I felt really bad for poor Othello having to be the test, public test subject because my question is, did he not try it before? That's what I'm saying. What was his control group? Yeah. Where was he? Did he... Did like it maybe try to, just to end go it live? Work? Like you just like okay, I think this is gonna work. I have no idea. We and they don't talk about where he tested it. Oh, yeah. The second book is also very good, Cheryl. I'm excited for you to read that. The, the <laughs> second Divide. book, Deathless Divide, is really good, and you get this time. It's not just Jane's POV. You get Jane and Catherine's POV, mm-hmm. and um, and it picks up right where the first book ends, and you definitely learn a lot more about the shamblers about the vaccine science um it's about gideon about yeah gideon and it's i don't know maybe we might have to just cover that one too at some point i don't, I don't know i feel like i want to that's it's too much of a spoiler i feel like because 
Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't mean today. I don't oh, mean oh, to, um, yeah. Hello. Yeah, no, let's I don't totally want to do Deathless it. Divide. I'm happy to. Yeah, let's do Deathless. Yeah, Divide I think too. we should do Deathless Divide in a few okay. months. Um, where was I going with that? Um, uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Let's talk about Catherine and Jane's relationship, though. Yeah. <laughs> Bitter enemies turn best, reluctant best friends. <laughs> I know. So it's it. Like, from the very beginning, when you meet Catherine, you're like, who is this proper girl? Who, and why does Jane hate her so much? And Jane's like, she tells you, she's like, I hate her because she's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> just flat out. Like, I hate her She's because she's pretty and she looks like she could pass for white. And you're like, oh, I guess those are. And then it's not only it, like I, if, if it were that shallow, I would like lose respect for Jane. But it's also that she's also really, really good at putting Shamblers down. She's like she's one of the top students. Excellent. So she's really, so she's beautiful, she's smart, she has impeccable manners. Impeccable and, shot, too. And she's an impeccable shot, and <laughs> she is a favorite of Miss Anderson. Who Jane hates. Who and Jane who hates Jane. Hates. Yeah, and Miss Anderson loves Catherine, probably because she can pass, you know. Mm-hmm. So she, they, she's described as having what like blue or green eyes i think mm-hmm. blue eyes i think and yeah honey honey colored hair honey yep. colored curls she's like always up to date on fashion and everything jane's openly jealous she doesn't yeah. even like hide it she's like yeah no i'm jealous that's why i hate her i'm, I'm jealous mm-hmm. <laughs> but again that's why i love jane because she's like yeah this is ridiculous that i'm you know i hate her so much but whatever i do yeah i love jane and how she owns everything that she does when I first started reading it, um, I knew vaguely what it was about, but I didn't know. Like, like basically, when they get like captured sn- snooping around the mayor's house mm-hmm. and then get sent to Summerland, that's not where I saw the story going at all. Oh, no. Where did, so where did you think it was going to go? That's really interesting, because that threw me for a loop, too. And I was just like, oh, wait, what? What's happening it's, now? It, it seems so much just like this mystery about finding the Spencer family and finding out what the mayor's up to. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't imagine they were going to be sent to this other settlement. Like, and and like that Baltimore would eventually fall. You find out towards the end yeah. that Baltimore falls. Because there's no inkling that these settlements, these, uh, these types of settlements even really exist. Right. Like when Jane talks about the states, she talks about the lost south. Yeah, like the South is completely overrun, and like everybody lives in the more northern climates because uh, during the winter time the Shamblers go into hibernation mode. Right, and so they're right, easy so to kind of clear they're out. They're easy to kill. clear out and kill, and it's and it's still safe. Um, but not p- places like the South, where it just never gets cold. They're just overrun, and, and I don't even know that we really talk about any. If they talk about there being communities down there, um, I remember her There's- mentioning something about the Mississippi. There's yeah, but, there's yeah. some like there's a settlement in Louisiana they mention. Um, I think we see it in Deathless Divide, but they mm-hmm. don't. Um, they don't really talk much about the Lost South, other than that it's lost. But there, but there were there were settlements. People tried, but for the right. most part, they were overrun. And Cheryl brings up a good point. It's like well, this time when I was reading, I also wondered about the rest of the world. Um, because we get a little bit of information about them, like through the newspapers, uh-huh. um, that and the like, the things that Jane is reading, but we don't really know what's happening elsewhere, which no, I'd be super no curious. Idea. Like we have no idea. We don't know what causes. I mean, most 
most media doesn't tell you what caused it. Usually it's like, oh, we think it's a virus or a fungus mm-hmm. or something. Um, yeah, we have no idea what's going on in the rest of the world. I'm assuming they're overrun by zombies, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really feel like I need to know what caused it. I don't. I don't need to know the cause. I just need to know that it's a threat. Yeah. And it continues to grow. And it's and it's an evolving threat. It's not like, they, you know, if people went from turning within a half hour to, like, turning almost instantaneously to them, you know, kind of realizing later on in the book that there is a method that they are able to communicate with each other. And what does that mean? You know, um, they're not just... It's not that they're not just stupid. It's just that, you know, like, the... Uh, the they're comparison they make is to be exactly like they're able to like communicate based on some signal that they're put, they're putting out and what does that mean um, for communities it means that no one's nowhere is safe because whether where there is a large food source you're going to attract shamblers right and then skipping ahead of course we find out that you start seeing shamblers from all these different areas Remember they said some of them mm-hmm. had trapper furs. Yes. And, you know, clothing from different, completely different regions. This means they traveled and came together in groups and then traveled as a swarm. And that's so scary. The, the idea of them, like, all just sending out their homing signal and, oh and meeting God, up yes. to come eat people. So, so yeah. And uh, Cheryl's saying that the survivalists, the claim that the zombies came because of the Civil War, but ignore that other countries that had abolished slavery decades had no zombies. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it just proves that they want to continue the, to their agenda mm-hmm. of, of uh, white superiority. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about Summerland? I was just like in my blood. I was it was just starting to boil because I was thinking about the pastor. So why not? <laughs> By all means. Oh God, I hate him. He was, was horrible. So cathartic. So horrible. Um. I guess spoiler: his death was satisfying. Oh, so satisfying! <laughs> I was just thinking. I was like, it was so cathartic. There, there are a couple deaths in this book that brought me great pleasure, and his was one of them. His was one of them. It kind of reminded me of um, Arya leaving the Hound to die, except you know that he actually did die. Right. Right. Because even if he didn't bleed out immediately, he's not going to escape from the shamblers that have breached the wall. Nope. And it, it was so stupid, too, the, um, that they... did That they weren't... the peop- So in Summerland, basically all the black people had to work as uh what did they call them they basically go there out there were to patrols the yeah, yeah patrols they were the they go patrols. to the wall and but they weren't letting them clear shamblers they only if they got too close to the wall mm-hmm. and she couldn't understand why we're not going out and just killing them and of course again we find out later because they need them for their little shambler cages to mm-hmm. keep the electricity going which to me was like so horrifying so scary. I mean, because what when you consider that the reason that they kept attracting shamblers was that because they were allowing them to live and continue to congregate there, mm-hmm. you know, like the more that came, the more that we're giving off that invisible signal um, and, and letting them know that this is where you can come for food. Like it's we're just they- here milling around. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's so crazy. Like summer. So Summerland is supposed to be this like shining city on the hill where right has been restored and the the negro was back in their proper place of servitude and mm-hmm. and uh the white people are you know there and re- reaping god's rewards with safety and you know 
the Lord's word. It's just like, just like a complete city built on bullshit. So a safe place for white people to live and for people who are all about slavery to basically live that life again. Um, Cheryl mentions Gideon's water wheel plan. So Gideon originally had a plan of building the city near a, a natural mm-hmm. resource, coal yep. or water, to keep the wheel going so that they could have an elec- enough electricity to not only power the town, but also have electric fences yep. and things like that. But they had already started Summerland and they were like, we like it and mm-hmm. you have to figure something else out. Because what else would those, the rest of those people do? Yeah, and like the white people there don't work. Yeah, they don't work. They just like eat the good food and the ration. They get rationed more, they eat the food. And they go to church. They go to church and they talk about and they get constantly reminded that, you know, this is the natural order of things mm-hmm. and, you know, how to maintain it. It's, yeah, it's, it's fucked up. Redfern. <sighs> Redfern. What a complicated character. I like that we get to we get more of him in the second book. Yes, I really do because I'm trying to I'm trying like the first time we encounter him is when he saves Jane's life Mm -hmm. after after all things go all hell breaks loose at the lecture and yeah the the professor dies Othello dies the shamblers get out and now she's like you know trying to defend basically to (laughs) because she smuggled in her 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 revolver yeah she smuggled in a revolver and miscounted her shots because she fired a warning shot and she fired two mm. shots into the professor mm-hmm. and then <laughs> realizes too late that oh shit i fired all of my shots because she was yeah. like no i only fired five and then she was like oh i put two in the professor yeah ah shit and the warning shot <laughs> yeah right so she's out of so she's out of bullets and she's like doing hand-to-hand combat with a shambler shambler that's trying to eat her and uh daniel's daniel redfern I believe so, yeah. Yeah. He he, throw, he saves her life, throws a knife to her head. And it's the first time that she's ever seen an indigenous American. Mm-hmm. And she just flat out stares at him. Yep, she just, just stares like, at him. And I, I'd also like to point out that th- she was wearing a hair bonnet and it got ruined by Shambler Blood. And it was Catherine's bonnet that she stole out of spite. <laughs> stole out of spite. She stole and out of spite. And denied it. And denied it. And then wore it out with Catherine because that is... <laughs> who Jane is. is. One of the things I also love is is um, how Jane knows how to play to these racists basically. So like when she, like for instance when she asked the sheriff about seeing the newspaper article and he's like you can read and she's like oh no sir I can't read I just like to look at the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And 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 uh, Catherine is kind of embarrassed. Like, why? Are you, that's not how you talk. Like, why are you doing that? And she's just like, you know, the, this is what they expect. So this is what I give them, and it keeps them stupid and unsuspecting, and they underestimate me. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so Jane, Jane has learned the power of being underestimated um, mm-hmm. as a, as a key to be as a key to her survival, and um, that's one of the reasons why she also clicks so well with Gideon because she finds out that he's doing the same thing with to the limp. sheriff, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like a okay, because we are still a thousand eyes and one, just like a, a Maester oh, Jesus Christ Pycelle Grandmaster Pycelle mm-hmm. pretending to be all feeble and uh, being underestimated yeah, 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 so good right. so good um yeah, Redfern, it's, we find out, well, so he seems like 
first of all, it comes off like he just hates Jane and she cannot put her finger on why. She has no idea why he just like he just cannot stand her. Every time Can't. he looks at her, it's like with disgust or disdain. And then obviously like he takes he helps the mayor kidnap her and Catherine and Jackson. Mm-hmm. We should talk about Red Jackson. Jack. Hi, Jackson. Red Jack, her <laughs> Jane's ex boyfriend. Her reluctant love of her life. <laughs> yeah. And so to talk about Red Jack really quickly, he has um a sister who's white passing. Mm-hmm. And the Spencers take her in so that she doesn't have to go to combat school. And yeah. that's why they're looking for the Spencer family. I thought this was all like about to be a mystery about the Spencer family. Mm-hmm. I was dead wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, Red Jack's sister is white passing. And so when the Spencers go missing, uh, that's the family she's living with. So, um, But yeah, uh, Re- Daniel Redfern lets Red Jack go. And that's kind of when we find out he's not as bad as he seems mm-hmm. or he hasn't, at least he hasn't bought in completely because you have to remember too, like he was also sent off to a boarding school mm-hmm. and he's older than Jane. So they had those resettlement schools before the zombies came for, they had those resettlement schools for the native American children. So he was, he was already suffering under yeah. these people. Mm-hmm. Differently. And that's actually the inspiration for the book. Um, like in the, if you, if you read like towards the end, uh, Justina Ireland writes about how she visited one of those re-education uh, schools in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. That's one of the oldest ones. And uh, yeah, that's where the concept for the book came from. Is like sending, sending people away to basically erase their culture, erase their, his- their history and make them as white acting and able to fit into a white world um, as possible. And then she just kind of extrapolated, like, what would happen if they were being sent for this other reason? And then there's zombies. And it's just like, ah! So, such, <laughs> the, such, I love yeah. that. And then there's zombies. And then there's zombies. Like, everything is more interesting and dangerous with zombies. But like I said, it's like, they're not front and center. And I, I like how you go almost to the very end of the first book without even starting to, like, really learn about the changes in them and how they're evolving and how they're becoming more of a threat uh, I think that she does a really good job of like keeping it centered on the people, the characters in the story, and you get to learn about Jane and about you know Jackson, and even like like Jackson's sister Lily, you get to learn about a little bit, and to see like kind of what people's motivations are. So yeah, she did a good job. Love it. Yeah, you don't really get a huge zombie fight until almost the end, mm-hmm. and it doesn't actually take up that much. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's a really it's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> like that part where she's like, she, uh, where where the where Gideon sends up the flare, and you can see that there's hundreds and hundreds of them. If you mm. want a really good zombie short based in this universe, the Nightlight Podcast. I'm gonna tell you the episode number. I think we mentioned it last time. Um, it's a podcast called Nightlight, and it's all horror fiction, mm-hmm. and. Justina Ireland wrote a short story specifically for this podcast called Letters from Home. Um, what episode is it? It's in their first season. I'm going to look up what episode it is. But basically, you learn that you learn that Baltimore has fallen. Towards at the end, you just kind of find like Jane finds out about it. And this short story is from the point of view of Big Sue. 
And it's basically Big Sue waking up in the middle of the night to screams because mm. the zombies have breached the wall. Yep. So it basically talks about the fall of Miss Preston's. Uh-huh. And um, that's where you get some good death scenes. <laughs> and the, it's and super and scary. It's scary. Wake up. They're, they just, it was ter- it's a terrifying listen because you just hear like Big Sue. She wakes up. People are screaming all around her. People are, are turning. And um, it's just the entire school. This whole time they've been living under the misconception that they are safe and that Baltimore and that whole area is safe when it's not true. It's episode 101, actually. Yeah. Letters from home on the nightlight podcast definitely check that out that re- and you you know after you read after you yeah after book, you re- yeah because in between the two yeah um it's 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 really good so if you want that scary that really scary because it has like sound effects and everything too it's oh really my god scary and it's really good <laughs> um redfern who else gideon we should talk about gideon okay. who we find out is gideon carr Gideon Carr, the mayor's son. Um, and you know what I like about so I'll t- like about Jane um, in relation to Gideon. So Jane, what what did I text you? The that line where she's I'm, like, I'm I'm, I'm I'm a mutton head for a clever boy. Yes, and she so she <laughs> loves she loves nerds, and I can relate. So Jane is like, I love this. Like she's like getting feelings for him, and she's trying to like rationalize being attracted to him, but like still not really understanding like what his motivations are um and recognizing that he's brilliant but like why isn't he doing more uh yeah she's she's so funny with it because then she's like you know partially heartbroken because she thinks jackson is dead because they haven't seen him since they arrived at summerland and and they they mentioned that the sheriff likes to watch people turn yeah so they just assume that that's yeah they assume that's what's happened to red jack that the sheriff let him get bit and watched him turn and put him down it was really smart of jane to convince well not even convince to force Catherine to pass yeah like she knew that was going to be their their only way but also like why put cat like if you have the opportunity to save someone from going through what you know is going to be a miserable experience mm-hmm. um why not save them because they probably would have put Catherine in the cat house oh that's exactly where they would have put her I Catherine. mean, here's the thing about Catherine is that Catherine, uh, they find out. So Miss Anderson, when they're getting on the when they're deporting them, essentially from Baltimore, Miss Anderson whispers something into Catherine's ear, which we don't find out until much later. And what she tells her is that she's it's a shame that you were so pretty because, you know, like basically no family would have would have taken her. She was like a crack shot. She was super smart. She had the best manners. She's like essentially top of her class, which Jane is like, well, we didn't take our final test yet. So we don't know about yeah. that. And I love what she does. that. Yeah. Um, but essentially, Catherine is just too good looking to be trusted as a ladies attendant because, mm-hmm. you know, we know men are trash and <laughs> they can't but and she, they couldn't I mean, be trusted. She's yeah. gorgeous and white passing. There were there, no, no women. The women, when they learned about her, would be interested. But once they saw her, were like, nope, she's not coming around my husband. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. So they unfortunate for Catherine. Mm-hmm. So she didn't stand a chance the whole time anyway. Yeah, she's there. She is trying to live, you know, and outperform and to be her very best, only to find out that there's no way that she would have been taken by any by any family. And so you you're remember? right. Jane subbed. Did she, I mean, even without knowing about the, the you know, about the, the cat house there, you know, Jane saved her. Yeah. Um, I was going to say another attendant we learned briefly about Maisie, mm-hmm. who was at the lecture 
It was one, the one of the people. Not, yeah. One of the people who backed Jane up when they were asking questions about the vaccine. And then later on, she sees her out in the shambler field at Summerland mm-hmm. as a shambler and has to put her down. Yeah. And then we find out it's because Maisie asks the same questions Jane was asking. Mm-hmm. And Basically, like anyone who was too smart, they just sent them away. Right. And it's like, it's so stupid. Like, you guys are so committed to being racist that your town isn't even properly uh, protected. Yeah, you'd think with anybody with half a mind would have been like, oh, yeah, we should totally electrify these fences. And arm these people. And arm these people. But, you know, like, remember the part of the battle and where they're going off to battle to defend the breach in the wall? And the mayor's like, you can't. He's like, okay, give them bladed weapons. We don't want them to shoot us in the back. And we're yeah. like, they, we, they were it's even, like there is a uh, horde of zombies coming for us and you still won't give me a gun because yeah. you know how badly you have fucked up. Yeah, exactly. That's how much I mean, but that's just art imitating life. Isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That, yeah. <sighs> Woosa. You know, what's funny is that I watched I uh, like the bulk of my reread and re-listen what happened after I watched Exterminate All the Brutes. So I was just like, oh, look at the, watch it. Those parallels are, yeah, I'll just say the parallel. It's, first of all, it's, it's, it's great. Watch it. It's on HBO Max. Um, plug, plug, plug. I'll oh, just, as yeah. an aside, just of zombie stories that are really good and aren't just about escaping zombies. Um, there's a movie called The Girl with All the Gifts. Mm, what's and that? it's about, it's about these children who whose mothers were bitten and they turned while they were in the womb. So they're born with the ability to think and act totally human, but with also that lust for living flesh. Whoa. It's really good. And it follows this one little girl. um, It's like the facility falls, basically. That's a beginning. It's not like spoiler. The facility falls. Mm -hmm. And it's this one little girl and it just asks a lot of questions about like, what is the world now? And what is it? What are we? And all these things. It's really, it's a really, really good movie. It was on Amazon Prime, but I think it's on, I think it might be on HBO Max now. The Girl with All the Gifts, you said? Yes. The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh. It's a really, really good movie. Yeah. So just if you like zombie stories and want one that's about more than just trying to escape. Um. I just yeah. saw Cheryl's comment when Jane stepped up, stepped up in that battle and pretty much told the sheriff to F off. Yeah, she shouted commands and told everybody what to do because she knows how to fight zombies and was not trying mm-hmm. to die out there. And that's exactly. another thing with these with these um, groups they have. They don't even train them. They don't even train them. I mean, Miss Preston, the girls who went to Miss Preston school were actually very lucky because a lot of them, well, they were just like relook basically like concentration camps where they kept people they like maybe told them a little bit about but they weren't they're just basically being assigned they weren't actually being trained on the different ways to kill to kill a shambler and miss preston's is the only one that was as long as it was it was three years yeah whereas the other schools were barely a year yeah just turning them out like basically just using them as bait to keep the the establishment alive is what Which again is so stupid because all you're doing is creating more shamblers, but you know, racism is stupid, so yeah, totally. Ugh. 
I really liked how the chapter started with the letters to her and then switched to the letters and then switch on the second half back to yeah. her. Yeah. So Jane, Jane, Jane's mom is reluctant to send her off um, because as you know, as a white woman, she's uh, reluctant to send off her only daughter uh, to the training schools. But auntie, whose name? I can't auntie remember. Aggie. Auntie Aggie uh, tells Jane that if she is ever going to have a st- stand a chance of getting out into the world and actually living, she should go to the combat school to get away from her mom. Because we find out later that as a baby, Jane's mom tries to kill her uh, when she's about no, no. five, five yeah, years old. The midwife tries to kill her the, as soon well, as she the, comes out. As soon as she comes out. And then because later on, Jane's mom tries to kill her. When she's um, like five. When she's five. She tries to drown her in a bathtub. And then Jane's and she, father, or her mother's husband... Mm-hmm. Also, is wants to kill her. Yeah. So it's it's so scary. Hold on. Yes, and so basically they've been writing letters back and forth to each other, but Jane hasn't heard anything from her mom. She hasn't. She's sending her letters on a regular basis, but she hasn't heard anything from her. And then we find out when Jane gets on the train to go to Summerland that her mom has been writing her the whole time, but Miss Anderson has been keeping the letters from her, mm-hmm. and that the postmaster was keeping Jane's letters. Because she was friends with Miss Anderson. Yeah. So they were preventing any communication. So for all we know, Jane's mom thinks that she's dead. And Jane thought, like, so that's that uh, Rose, Rose Hill. Roseland. Roseland. Rose, Rose Hill's in Jamaica. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Going there next. That, that Roseland has been overrun um, by zombies. And yeah, she finds like out through year. the course of the letters, through her letters to her mom, um, for her mom's letters to her that she finally gets to read. That was really sad, too. Like, I felt mm-hmm. so bad for Jane because she's starting to think either her mother doesn't love her anymore or she's dead and doesn't know which one's worse. Yeah. Oh, so Miss Anderson's such a bitch. She's such a bitch. I can't stand her. There's so many characters who make me so angry. <laughs> who make me so oh, angry. It was Rose Hill. Rose Hall is in Jamaica. That's oh. what I was thinking. Have you ever heard of the White Witch of Rose Hall? No, I haven't. Oh, she'll look that up. So. Am I going to get scared? <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. Okay. It's basically is she was a she was a a white uh, white woman who had a, uh, all her husbands kept dying. She had a plantation in Jamaica. Her husbands kept dying, and she was rumored to do witchcraft. She was raised in Haiti for a little while, and so she was rumored to do witchcraft on her slaves, and they eventually. Got back at her. I won't go too much into it, but oh wow, she was, yeah, she was a real person, that. Annie Palmer. Um, it's an interesting story if you're into that. I think I have it here somewhere. Oh yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, yeah. So so we find out that they've been basically blocking off means of com- of her communication to the outside world, and once Jane finds out, uh, you know, she's determined to basically get back to her mother, and it's not until the very, very, very end. That she gets a letter. I think Jackson gives it to her. Right, because Big Sue escaped with it. Right, because Big Sue escaped with the letter. And um, she finds out that not only is her mother still alive, but that she's betrayed by her new husband, who basically kicked out, kicked her, discovered her secret, which I don't know if we'll tell here, because I feel like it's worth yeah, finding it's out. Worth, it's worth finding it's out. Worth, that reveal is worth it, yeah. Um, but kicks her out, and now she's on her, she's on her way to California to a new place and yes Cheryl it was very much like Rowan Weber thought to be killing her husband except I think Annie Hall really was killing them <laughs> <laughs> she was crazy <laughs> wow 
I mean Annie Palmer, not Annie Hall. Annie Palmer. Mixing up all kinds of I know. media right now. Um Oh, should we talk about the things that we don't want to talk about? Like what? Like Jane getting whipped. I hate it. Like I kept waiting for something to happen for Jane to not get whipped. Yeah, I thought that they were gonna. Someone was gonna come save the day. I kept thinking Catherine was gonna show up and yeah. stop it before it. You know, I mean, Catherine did end up stopping it because but. Gideon went to go get her. But, but by um, then she'd already Ooh and fucking Bill miscounting on purpose. Yeah. Ugh. Miscounting the lashes. And it, and it's like and again someone finally pointed out like, hey, like she's really good at killing zombies and we need her, so like whipping her to death is gonna be really stupid. And it's again like you guys are just Yeah. Where's your sense of self preservation? It's just like racism over everything. Racism over everything. Um, and you see that through everything that they do. Just like the way that they like, how are you underfeeding your defensive force? Right. Right. How are you not properly arming your defense? But like I said, uh, like, I mean, we mentioned this is that they were using trying to they figured they thought they figured it all out. Right. Like we know a way to take advantage of the shamblers. Like we don't want to kill them because we need them to run the electricity in our city. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being like, actually, let's clear them all out and figure out a different way to make this happen. Um, I feel like it's just like settle, like just settlement one on one to like settle next to a body of water. And why they didn't do that is beyond me, especially knowing that shamblers can't swim. Um, it did, it did, it doesn't make any sense to me, uh, unless there was someone else. You know, maybe Gideon was like, oh well, we could use them. I mean. I guess it was working in Baltimore, so they didn't see the reason to, like, improve on this design. But that definitely was not Gideon's plan. No, it wasn't. People who sit around, this is from Cheryl, people who sit around all day get full rations, but the people who are the sole defense of your town are starved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't make sense. It didn't make any sense. And then it's then it's also that their their uh the, the way that, that they their class system was being organized, right? So you've got like the prostitutes and then you've got the drovers who are not slaves but who are not, you know, in in the upper echelon of Summerland society mm-hmm. and how they're being treated. And they don't want to work either because they see the rest of these white people not working. So why should they have to work out even if it's like as an overseer or, or you know, um kind of like the management of their slave system that they that they have running but they see themselves not being treated as well either and the crazy thing about them is that they don't know how to fight at all either i was just i was waiting to say that they they're they have no idea how to fight they're They're totally useless useless. and one guy even says like oh you know they're training these negroes instead of real men like us and it's like he's like oh you're you're going to this government funded school and the government's paying for them paying for them and and i was like whoa 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 but you <laughs> I know you read it. That's that's the reaction that I. It's just. It's. I mean, like I said, there's art imitating life in all these kind of, in all yeah. these in you know in all these aspects. Um, but yeah, the misconception that these people are being trained and then just send them sending them out to fight. It's just like, how do you guys not have like a basic shambler education program? Y'all are living in the fucking frontier. Uh, you know, and they are in danger and they're not and being killed and you know it. Like, what about basic defense? What everyone, if the Shambler Well broke? Everyone should have some sort of basic defense to just even to just defend themselves. Yeah. Because you're living in a world where there are zombies 
Well, when you're in denial of the science that the, that the change can occur almost instantaneously and, um, and then you're I fed the lie that you're safe. You know, all because you want to believe Baltimore it was safe and it was and, not. And you can't blame them because, of course, you want to believe that it's safe. Right. Of course, you want to believe that you don't have to run anymore. I mean, we see that we see this stuff happening in The Walking Dead, too. Like you get to a place, you think it's finally safe. You finally you think you can finally stop running. You can sleep at night. You're getting food. And then all of a sudden, the all hell breaks loose and you have to pick up and run again. And so you never are able to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um so I understand, like, the desperate need to believe that you finally found a place. But let's talk about reality. <laughs> right, you like, can I see like, them. I feel like if I was in a world where there are zombies, and I was one of these rich folks who can afford to just have someone take care of me, I would still, I don't know, I think my paranoia would take over, and I'd still want to know at least how to protect myself and get away. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not training every day, but, like, I mean, they are fully, fully useless. Yeah, Totally totally useless it's like why didn't danny learn how to use a sword <laughs> oh my god you know how how upset i get at the fact that yeah. they never made armor for her yeah that's gonna bother me until forever because it doesn't make sense die. Like, how danny, are you gonna be a conqueror and not like have any combat training but, but well, whatever sh- I, I wanted her to be more like visenya yeah me too so much but that's not what that's not what today is about <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started why Don't doesn't even Danny get have me armor started. Or any weapons training? Yeah, it's so crazy. But then to see just like that stratification of society and uh, how it how it's actually detrimental to the sur- entire survival of that community. It really, really, it really is like they say. Uh, I think Gideon at one point is saying that every every man, woman, and child who lives here should be armed and yeah. should know how to use these weapons, and um, they don't. And so when Summerland falls, spoiler alert, uh, it's their own fault. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all their own fault. It's such a shame, too, because you're like, you know, minus like white superiority. <laughs> it seems like things are working out fairly well. But then also that they're like, you know, they're doing all the things that, that come in an oppressive society, right? They're not spreading information. Uh, they're not telling people about Baltimore. They're getting, they're hearing about it in like whispers and snatches and, and they don't really know what's going on in the rest of the world because they just think, okay, well, we're here, we're safe. And it's not until um, Jackson comes back that we find out that there are other towns that are like this, Mm -hmm. like Nicodemus. Um, And, and Nicodemus, what what did he, what's he say about it? He's like, they've got a fence and it works and their back is to the water. So it's a safer place. And you're just like, well, why aren't these kids? And it's not run by the racists either. So right, the, uh, the what are they called survivalists. Was it? Like, I forgot what the other party is. It's survivalists. Egalitarians and was that? It? Egal- egalitarians, I think. The, the survivalists are are the the racist guys. Yeah, they're the ones who they still want like at least a little bit of slavery. Yeah, they want the old South. They want like balls and like you know chivalry and and black people being oppressed. <laughs> black people being oppressed, basically not to have to lift a finger to do anything, because yeah. it's not you know they're not they don't have the curse of Ham upon the them. Ham. Jane was like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> and then so and then so there are so many little indignities like the fact that they don't even mm-hmm. let the they don't give them cutlery. So they're forced to eat with their hands. Eat with their hands. It's like all these like little things just like, and Jane realizes how much better they were treated at um, Emma's Preston's. Emma's Preston's. 
you know like they had even though yeah i mean they had that but even even though they were treated well like when the when the when the the veil comes crashing down that miss preston is like all about you know this actually like systematic oppression in order Mm -hmm. to keep white people on top it's just like oh you know Uh, i mean i feel like so many times jane's is jane is confronted by the systems around her coming crashing down and revealing themselves for what they Mm -hmm. actually are and uh, so she's constantly having to adapt she hears, to that. She, hears, she already doesn't like Miss Anderson, but then when she hears her use a slur, she's, like, mm-hmm. even more upset because she's just like, really? Like, this is how you talk about us when we're not around? Yeah. And I feel like it's good for, um, even though it's not really surprising to Jane, it's good for Catherine to be constantly confronted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, you get to know, I like that in the second part of the book, we get to know more about Catherine, Catherine and actually like the toll that it takes on her having to pass because yeah. people don't always talk about that. Um, oh, yeah. Just Cheryl, totally glad that Bill or Bob and everybody else whose name started with a B fucking yeah, <laughs> got even, what was coming to them. animals need rest. Like, yeah. God. Um, crap. What was I about to say about? We were talking about um, the toll it takes on Catherine to, to Kate good old Kate to pass as white because it is stressful for her. Like she's constantly living in fear of being discovered Mm -hmm. because obviously it's all a lie and it just take, it'll take one letter getting through from somewhere to let them know um, that that's the case. And, uh, you know, there's that moment where they're back in her house where she's like living in luxury for, for Somerville and Jane C is just like, it's how tired she is. Like she has to constantly be around people talking about, black people the way that they do and like just she's like how she's like it, it basically saying that it's really difficult for them to hear their, them talk about her people because she is black right. she is black and she's constant so it's like and not it's, only the and it's not, the not being like able to speak to, up and say anything right and it's not even like she can just sit there and not say anything she has to also pretend to be delighted she has to pretend it's funny and like and that she feels that way too or else she's gonna stand out and the last yeah. thing she needs is to stand out and have any types of suspicions about her the, because the worst, like, as as bad as Jane had it, if they found out, that, like, once they find out that she's passing, like, it would be even worse for her. Jane remembers a store owner in Baltimore who was passing as white. And when they found out that he was secretly black, they had to sneak him out of town because he was going to get lynched. Mm-hmm. And I think the the quote was something along the lines of, like, they hate nothing more than finding out that they treated a Negro well or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. How cool was it that Jane basically finds out she's famous because the, her, her hearing about her nighttime excurs, excursions with Red Jack to go and kill zombies on the road and and you know protect travelers, um, they don't go a whole lot into it. We never go out with her while she does it. Um, they don't go a whole lot into it. But then when she gets to Summerland and Red, no, not it's not from Summerland. It's Redfern. No, Redfern who tells her. That's yeah. why. That's she's like, why do you? She asks him straight up. She's like, why don't you like me? And he was like, because you are reckless and selfish <laughs> and this. And then she, well, she finds out that she's called the angel of the crossroads because she goes out there and she saves lives. Yeah. And, it, and it's like when you think about it, like, of course, like there's like this legend of the angel of the crossroads. She's been, you know, probably dressed in something dark and, you know, being all mysterious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's she's like a, a superhero, basically, in, in that mm-hmm. world. And so I thought that was really cool, too, to find out that she's famous and doesn't even know it. And it's because she wasn't doing it for that. She just likes yeah. to kill shamblers and gets restless and wants to get out the house at night. 
Yeah, exactly. She just gets, she gets tired of being stuck inside and she needs to go out and stretch <laughs> her legs and actually put her, her combat training to use. And that's why uh, she's because so good, she figures, too. Exactly, exactly. She has a lot of real-world experience and she, she doesn't see the point in having this experience and not being able to like make sure um, your surroundings are safe if you can totally do that. Uh, it's actually surprising that they don't talk about like actual patrols like in that area. But if you're trying to maintain the illusion that Baltimore is safe, then what would be the purpose of that? And remember when they see that little girl shambler, they make mention of it when they get to the mayor's house. And then Jane sees that little girl shambler again later. The patrol never even went and did anything about it. Yeah. And remember, they see her and then find out there's a small horde behind her. Yeah. Yep. So the patrols aren't even going out anyway. They're not. They're not out there because oh man, they've it's moved so on. Frustrating. They've moved on to Summerland, and the rest of Baltimore doesn't know. Terrifying. So so scary. Um, I was gonna say something, and I can't remember now. Something about. Mm, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I love. I love this book. I want to read too. it again. I'm excited to read it again. Um, honestly, because it's just the writing is so good. And Jane is such a complex character. Like, there are moments where you're like, oh, come on, Jane, what the fuck? But then you understand, like, I mean, once you understand, once you learn about her background and, like, understand her actual motivations, like, from the fact that she was almost killed twice, come- once coming into the world, once by her mom, always having to, to fight it, um, having to kind of fight to survive, and then, like, watching her kind of go through these, these experiences, because the thing about being the angel of the crossroads is that you can't save everybody, you right. know? So she's witnessed horrifying things. Yeah, she's had she's to sit back and watch have people to watch get- people get, get killed because she couldn't do anything about it because there were too many because, yeah. like, you know, you can take down shamblers, but even the most experienced fighter after a certain number is putting their own lives in danger. So having to know that having having to live with that on top of, like, all uh, the rest of uh, everything that she's going through. Um, the reveals about about her home, too, and the people there, the things that she saw as a kid, the yeah. things she's had to do, which, you know, we're running out of time, so we won't go into all of it but uh she's she's seen some shit she has like watching the 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 twins get you know the one of the two twins get eaten by a shambler like as a child and that was horrifying that whole story because you just knew the whole time that it was gonna go wrong right as soon as you hear like the moans and you see that the woman's like caught up and she recognizes her and uh, you know, the kids are poking her with the stick and you just know, like you just want to reach in and like rewrite, like, no, and, get out of and there. And then everything that happens <sighs> when the major comes home. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's so good. Yeah. So good. So terrifying. So the sequel is called deathless divide. Definitely read it. And the in-between short story is called Letters from Home. And that's on the Nightlight podcast. So I guess you can get that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, Our next book is by N.K. Jemisin, one of our absolute faves. It's called The City We Became. Love, love, love. It just won a bunch of awards, too. Definitely check it out. It's a really good story. Um... Let me see if I can get a quick description. In Manhattan, a young grad student gets off the train and realizes he doesn't remember who he is, where he's from, or even his own name. But he can sense the beating heart of the city, see its history, feel it, and feel its power. 
In the Bronx, a Lenape gallery director discovers strange graffiti scattered throughout the city. So beautiful and powerful is as if the paint is literally calling to her. In Brooklyn, a politician and mother finds she can hear the songs of her city pulsing to the beat of her Louboutin heels, and they're not the only ones. Every city has a soul. Some are ancient as myths, and others are as new and destructive as children. New York City, she's got six. So the city <laughs> comes alive, and there's other cities, and you have to fight yes. evil forces, and it's really, really fun. Yeah, it's based really, on really the, sh- that, the short... What was the short story called? Uh, a city born great. I think. A city born great. Yeah, that's what that's mm-hmm. what I read. I'm excited because I haven't read actually read this yet. I've only read a city born great. I've read it a bunch of times because I love it. It's so um, good, and I was so happy that she ended up expanding on it and making it into a full story. And yeah, it's going to be a trilogy. And I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about this too. So I can't wait for you to read it. Yes. So we will do that. In Especially June. living here and like just knowing like no, just, in, yeah, oh, so great. We'll do that in July. Mm-hmm. What date did we pick for that? July 18th. Yes. So July 18th, uh, same time, 3 p.m. The title is The City We Became. We'll post. Um, can you post it in the comments, Nikki? Yes. The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. Um, July 18th. So we'll post about that. And then also Trivia. We're still doing trivia. We're still doing trivia. <laughs> I can't wait for the next one. So June 27th is our next trivia. Game of Thrones trivia. Yes. Um, did we, I don't know if we quite decided on a theme. We haven't really decided on a theme, but we'll... There's one that we've been kind of throwing around, but I think is going to take a lot more research than we both have time for. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, we're, 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 we'll let y'all know really soon. Yeah, we'll let you know. So I'm Tanya. I'm Nikki. We are a thousand eyes in one podcast. And today is Wine on an Empty Stomach, our speculative fiction book club. So join us in late July for the next book club, July 18th, City We Became, and next month for trivia. On what day? Because I forgot. June 27th. June 27th. Boom. Now it's in the comments. Yes, Cheryl. Thanks. Shout out to Cheryl, and thank you for joining our trivia. Yeah, thanks. Staying up late on a Sunday night all the way from the UK (laughs) to play with us. So great. So yeah, check out if you haven't read Dread Nation and you you just popped in because you want to know about it. Definitely read it. Definitely read the sequel to the short story, and then jump on the city we became. 